Welcome to the inaugural podcast episode of the Blue Dumpling Podcast. Yay! Well, I'm your host, Jonathan Rowland of Fells Group. And I'm Tanya Bowie of PWP Strategies, and we are your co-hosts of the Blue Dumpling Podcast. So exciting, right, Jonathan? And we're here and we're coming together to definitely raise awareness, right? A hundred percent. I mean, I think, Tanya, you can agree when we when we decided to start this podcast, this has come up from just years of conversations about just a lack of awareness of API political and civic life here in Maryland and, and why it's so important. So uh, we definitely wanted to come together, uh, start this podcast and, and create some content around our community here in Maryland so folks can uh, be educated on the news of the day and what's going on here in our community. Yes, absolutely. We have seen the gap that you brought up repeatedly after doing years of grassroots work for at least three Maryland election cycles and presidential years, right, Jonathan? So, I mean, we've definitely seen all types of Asian American Pacific Islander, also known as AAPI, outreach efforts in the last decade. So you must be wondering why Blue Dumpling? Yeah, what does the title even mean? So that's that's a great question, Tanya. And, you know, one of our, our great friends, John Rohr, sort of helped us get this name together as well. And, you know, AAPI communities are so diverse. We're not a monolith. But we also have shared customs, shared values. And another thing that's shared is the love of dumplings. No matter, you know, what ethnicity you identify with, what culture you identify with in uh, the APIs, you most likely have a dumpling that you like and that's important to you that, you know, we decided to do the Blue Dumpling Podcast so we can both talk about the diversity of our community, but also talk about our shared uh, values. Well, let's not dilly-dally any longer. Let's bring on our first guest here, Devon Shaw. I'm so excited. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, stay on, folks. Uh, We're looking forward to the conversation. All right. So we're excited here. Tanya, it's our first official podcast, the Blue Dumpling Podcast. You're excited? Oh my goodness. I am so excited. Our inaugural episode and we have a very special guest. Very exciting. We are going to go ahead and let's welcome Devang Shah to the first episode of Blue Dumpling. Now, Devang is a driving force in the Democratic Party at the national, state, and local level. He's focused on increasing the political engagement and participation of Asian American and Pacific Islander communities, as well as broader communities. And since 2017, Devang has served as the chair of the Maryland Democratic Party's AAPI Diversity Leadership Council. He's also Maryland Democratic Party's current treasurer. We have definitely seen him in action. So Devong was also elected as National Committee Delegate for President Joe Biden in 2020, representing Maryland's Congressional District 6. He's a grassroots leader as well, recruiting Asian American volunteers from all across Maryland to help turn out the vote in swing states during essential election years. And by day, Devong is an immigration attorney. 
So we're so excited to have you on the podcast today, Devong. I am literally just looking back. It felt like it was yesterday. You and I were just phone banking for Anthony Brown in 2014. And now here we are in this space, the three of us coming together and making some good trouble, as Congressman John Lewis would say. Well, you know what, Tanya, Jonathan, I am so excited to be here. Uh, you guys have been wonderful friends, and we've done great work together since that phone banking about, what, 12 years ago. I'm really honored to be your first guest. I don't know if I'm honored or just being the guinea pig for your first show, <laughs> working out all the kicks, but I'm happy to be here and always happy to support you. And I'm excited that you're putting this uh, podcast together, uh, Blue Dumpkin, because that is just perfect for our community. So happy to be here. Great, great. You know, Devon, I've known you for, for several years, but I've never heard your bio read out before. And that's super impressive. Must be a busy man. Well, I'm busy, but it almost sounds like I'm at my funeral with the way Tanya was speaking. But it's <laughs> glad to hear that hear the good words while I'm alive and not <laughs> while I'm sitting in a casket or lying in a casket. It's more like it. So thank being you. Our, being nice being our first uh, podcast guest as well, um, you're you're no stranger to these sort of interviews. You're you actually uh appear on a radio show pretty frequently, right? I believe it's the immigration updates with Devong Shah yeah. that's related to your your professional ventures. Sure, I do an immigration update on a local Bollywood station here that's uh, on FM radio, streamed really throughout the world. So when I get questions, we're getting questions from Russia, we're getting questions from India um, when I take questions during the show. Um, I think one time the host of the radio show told me like there were people in about 23 different countries that were listening to that show. So I enjoy doing this. It's always helpful to the community to give the right answers or whatever wisdom I have to others to help them through their immigration issues. Right. So as, as Tanya had mentioned, you know, one of your key focuses on what you do is you're the chair of the Maryland Democratic AAPI Diversity Leadership Council. Uh, you know, both Tanya and I have also, you know, been involved. It's a great organization, but can you give our listeners an idea of, of exactly what that is and what your role is with that council? Sure. So let me give you the history and I'll tell you what the council. So uh, over 10 years ago, the state party decided that you know, we need to have people that are underrepresented at the table. So these diversity leadership councils were created and one was for the Asian American community. And when I say at the table, again, you always hear the term, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Mm. But what they did with the diversity leadership councils is the chair of the diversity leadership council is actually on the executive committee of the Democratic Party. We get a vote. And I think more important, they get to hear from all these different diverse uh, organizations are part. So we are part of the Democratic Party. And really what our mission is, is to, you know, energize activists throughout Maryland, register voters, amplify the Democratic message, uh, engage with members of the API community, which is very diverse. And after the primary, really during, for the general election, supplement the coordinated campaign and turn out API voters throughout the state. So it's a Really, a large part of our work is to increase inclusiveness, capacity building, voter education, which is so important for our community, because there are a lot of people that come here from other countries that, A, they're not democratic countries, and even if they are democratic countries, our system of uh, elections is so different. We have a primary, then a general, and then if you try to explain to them our, our crazy presidential election cycle where you have... Um, you know, states with an electoral college and the person that wins the overall popular vote doesn't necessarily become president. There's a lot of education there 
uh, for our diverse API communities. And then counties like Montgomery County, it's even more important to explain, hey, the Republicans generally never win. And so it's the primary election, which is most important for you to come out and turn out. And the, the last thing we want to educate them on is, yeah, the federal issues are very important, but it's the local issues, your school races, your county council races, really that affect your life much more in the, your lives of your uh, children, uh, much more than what's happening at the federal level. So that education is very, very important. You know, I am so happy that you honed on some two critical words, diversity, inclusiveness, and also bringing attention to the fact that our community, and we are a diversity leadership council, that the Asian American community is not monolithic. And that's a crucial piece of this council and the work that it does for the Maryland Democratic Party. So I'd like you to kind of like expand on why is it so important for the mainstream political space to recognize this as well as voters and everyone who is involved in turning out the vote? Why is it so important to push this message about our diversity? I think we got to take a step back with, you know, when you say API, that's almost a made up term, right, by the government. So Tanya, I don't think any of us walk around saying, oh, you know, I'm Asian American to one another. We might say um, Indian American, Vietnamese American, Chinese American. And then even among Indian Americans, we regionalize ourselves and say, oh, I am Gujarati. That's maybe how my parents identify themselves more than Indian, definitely not Asian American. And then I see this, the classifications, oh, I'm South Asian or East Asian. So when the general population or the non-AAPI candidates or elects reach out to us, they have a tendency to just put us under one big blanket and mm, without yeah. realizing mm -hmm. that we're so extremely, true. extremely diverse, right? And if you understand our diversity, and the diversity is just not, you know, ethnic, ethnicity, it's culturally, it's linguistics, right? It's religion. Um, ILCC diversity of age. I think that's so much very important to let our um, electeds know because the first generation Asian Americans are so different. They're more conservative than the AAPIs that are born here. And when you look at our youth, like my daughter or any of these other youth, they're so much, they're more progressive. And the mm -hmm. whole show, they vote for Democrats at a much, much higher rate than first generation. Asian Americans, right? So if we understand our diversity, we know how to touch them. And one of the things I talk about, Tanya, because you see a lot of first-generation Asian Americans worried about what's happening back home, okay? And that's really the challenge we face is a lot of that baggage, a lot of that hatred, you know, like in the Indian community or in South Asia, it's Muslims and Hindus, and you see that with Koreans and you know, Japanese or whatever it might be. And that hatred kind of spills over into the United States and they bring that, I call it baggage over, right? And we don't see that with those APIs that were born here, but we still have to address those things. And one of the things I do is I tell people, you know, Asian Americans, we need to focus and work on the issues that are gonna affect our children and grandchildren not the issues that affected our parents and grandparents, right? Because what's kind of moved forward, it's not, it, we can't continue looking backwards, right? And hopefully that resonates. In terms of why they should reach out to AAPI elects, well, our population is growing. We are the fastest growing population in the United States. 
Uh, I think in Maryland, we make up 7% of the population. Yep. And we are the margin of victory in many, many locations. So let's take nationally. In Georgia, President Biden won that state by 12,000 votes, okay? We are increasing the number of Asian Americans throughout the country, not just in Maryland, by large numbers. There were about 61,000 Asian Americans that registered to vote and voted for the first time in that election. And the polling shows so 70% of those voted for Biden. So we're yes. Asian, we can do the math. 70% of 61,000 <laughs> yes. is much greater than the 12,000 votes. So just the new voters pushed, Asian American voters pushed Biden over the top. Locally, Jessica Fitzwater in Frederick County, who's our county executive now, Democrat, she won by a little over 900 votes out of a little over 100,000 votes, so less than 1%, right? We did an API Leadership Council event in Frederick a couple of weeks before the event, had about 100 people there. Most of the people there had not been involved in the political sphere, right? And then what happened was the person that hosted that event, he's a trustee also of the party, he invited her to the Friday prayers at the mosque, 500 people. I think she went twice. And then she might have also gone to a Hindu temple and some other temples. Now, did we push her over the edge and get all 900 votes from the event? I'm not sure. Probably not. But we got her close to there, if not over, right? So when our electeds are looking around and saying, how can I win in these jurisdictions? It's going to be a, a very close election. They're looking at the API community. And that's why they should look to us. But I, you know what? They should it's just all in the margins. Votes. It's all in the margins, yeah. right? Yeah. It's all in the margins. You know, one really, and I, I like how you, you tied this back locally, Devong, you know, because obviously one of, the, one of the, the purposes of this podcast is really to elevate the importance of API political and civic life here in Maryland. And you know, just when you look at the numbers, it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, you have 33 delegates and 10 state senators who represent districts that have 10% or more AAPI population in their districts. That's the margin right there. And I can tell you from experience, a vast majority of them aren't reaching out to, you know, this community. What would be the number one piece of advice you would give to candidates or even elected officials listening in on right now, how to reach out to this community and really get their message across and to start prioritizing this community as well. Well, Jonathan, I'm gonna, you're a campaign guy, right? You work in elections uh, cycles. Um, I think one of the issues that I see is that the um, electeds or those that are running for office seem to have the same consultants that say, oh, what you're going to do is you're going to phone bank and reach out to those that have voted in the last two elections, right? Mm -hmm. They get those statistics. So if Devang Shah just becomes a U.S. citizen and just registers to vote, I'm not going to be in any of those lists, okay? But those people are the really the growing population that can be margin of victory. But what should these people do to be in touch with? Come to our API Leadership Council events, meet community members, but don't come in just the election year. Don't come in October of the election year and say, hey, so true. I want your vote. Create a relationship with our community. In fact, yesterday we did an event in Howard County for the API Leadership Council, and we had Senator Chris Van Holland there. We had um, County Executive Calvin Ball. We had Senator um, Clarence Lamp, State Senator Clarence Lamp. Let's talk about their commitment to the API community, which is unwavering. Senator Chris Van Holland doesn't have an election for five years. 
Calvin Ball is term limited. He doesn't have an election coming up, okay? They don't need our votes right now. They don't need our money, but they're coming out. We had over 100 people there yesterday. They're coming out the community to listen, take questions, understand the needs of our community, telling them how they can help our community with constituent services. Because one of the biggest issues with Asian Americans That's is huge. Yes. we don't ask for help. Absolutely. We don't even know they can help us, but we don't ask for help, right? I've got an issue with my unemployment. I'm going to try to figure it out. So it's a cultural thing. We talk about diversity, but there are certain aspects of the Asian American community that is very, very, I would say, common. You know, one of them is the lack of asking for help, right? Thinking that we can do everything ourselves. You know, I, I love what you talked about, the idea of investing in our communities much earlier on before election time. And then that would be the building block to when the time comes for increasing engagement, not only for voter turnout as political operatives, we also know that leads to also a donor base. And I know this space here understands that voting, you know, you can vote with your wallet, right? So since you are also, as our state party's treasurer, um, you know, what are ways to build an Asian American um, donor base? Because that's also important and another way for our community to raise some noise and increase our visibility. So development of a donor base is important. And I think there are a large number of Asian Americans that are writing checks or providing their credit cards to candidates, not always getting involved in door knocking or phone banking, but there are different ways, right? When you need people, you need money, and you need ideas, right? So Asian Americans many times provide their ideas, they provide people by door knocking, or they also write out checks, so they're different ways. But what I believe is that you would need to form a relationship with community leaders, you need to form a relationship with members of the community, you have to get them invested. You cannot come on October of the election and say, I would like you, Jonathan, to write me out a $6,000 check. It doesn't generally work that way. Right. Form the relationship and find out what the ideas are. Embed yourself with that community. Go to their churches, synagogues, uh, temples, mosques, etc., and understand them. And we can then build up a donor base. We have a large number of trustees of the state party that are Asian American. I think it's wonderful. So we're seeing this. Maryland is really out ahead, I think, of the rest of the country. Even Tanya, I know you come from California, and I'm gonna. You've been I'm a like, transplant. I think we're, yeah, you're a transplant. <laughs> I think we're we're ahead of California now in terms of what we're doing. I mean, we got API Lieutenant Governor, API Secretary of State, so true. The largest number of cabinet secretaries that are API. So, I mean, I, I looked to your husband, Tanya, right, who started this first um, API Leadership Council of Chairs. And he brought me in. We did, as you mentioned, we did phone banking. And then you brought the kids in, I think, which is really important. Or Juan did. So my daughter and my nephew came out and they were, I think, at seventh or eighth grade and they started phone banking. And my daughter got the bug, but I also got the bug. So if you had asked me for $50 back then, Juan, I wouldn't have given you $50, you know, Tanya or Juan, right? So Juan said, why don't you come in and, you know, phone bank? And I caught the bug. The relationship was created with uh, Lieutenant Governor Anthony Brown and Governor O'Malley and that. You know, I got to a point where I could become a trustee of the party, and, mm, so and uh, I did contribute. But, you know, it all started with that first conversation with Juan over a decade ago, right? And that's really what's so important is speaking to so many people, explaining what our DLC does, explaining to them what the Democratic Party does, 
and how we differentiate ourselves from that Republican Party. And that's, okay. you know, so yeah. that's how we and, got started. And just, you made a good point, Devong, about all the recent advancements AAPIs have made in Maryland recently, from our lieutenant governor to Susan Lee, who's now our secretary of state. But I'd be remiss to say that you are also the first South Asian and second Asian American to be uh, the officer of the Democratic Party. Well, I so, think you, know, you got to give a lot of credit to our governor, Westmore, right? He's African-American and um, he selected a Asian-American as his lieutenant governor. And I'm sure there wasn't one consultant. I talk about consultants. There are probably not one consultant out of the tens of thousands in this country that would say, wait a minute, an African-American man and you're selecting an Asian-American woman to be your running mate? That can't work. So uh, he's defying the odds. He's defying the consultants and he's selecting people that weren't generally at the table. And it also, uh, a large part of that was due to our party chair, Yvette Lewis, um, who just recently uh, stepped down. Amazing. She was yeah. wonderful. Yes. And she really believed uh, in our AAPI Leadership Council and promoting people from this council to a point where I became the treasurer. So she did so much for our Leadership Council over the last couple of years and helped it expand it and basically gave us a green light. Whatever I asked for, we received and said, this API community is so important for getting out the vote and helping the Democratic Party. So she and was absolutely wonderful. She's I mean, that's somebody, just, even though she's not Asian American, she is adopted. And she's honoree. She should have her on the podcast. Honoree, yes. <laughs> yes. Should have her on the podcast. Right. We definitely will. And it just, I'm glad you brought that up too, because, you know, when I first became involved uh, with the DLC many, many years ago, a lot of our focus was around Asian American Heritage Month, which is important, right? That is a month where we need to highlight our community. But the DLC has grown too to be active in promoting just outside that month. You know, and Devon, you, you sort of touched on it uh, a little bit, but sort of give us an idea or a flavor of what the DLC is working on both this year and gearing up for the next elections to strengthen the Democratic Party among this very important group. So, Jonathan, it's interesting that you say that we do API Heritage Month, and we have large events, right? 550, some yes. of the largest Democratic Party, not just API, but general Democratic Party events anywhere in the state. And when I talk to our my API cohorts in other states, they're amazed at what we're doing here. But it's, you know, Jonathan, you and Tanya and so many others have played such a pivotal role in doing that. But sometimes what brings APIs is food and our heritage, mm -hmm. right? So last so time true. we had honored and showcased our youth and they, uh, young kids in elementary and middle school, we did a fashion show, right? And that brings in a lot of new people and they come in and they say, wow, what is this Democratic Party about? What is this API Leadership Council about? You know, how can I get involved? And so we've been doing this for a number of years. And that actually helps us take the next step. At the last Democratic Central Committee meeting back in December for the full state, I saw so many Asian Americans there. And I'm like, where did you all come from? And I went one by one. That's like, great. Hey, where are you from? What did you do? You go, oh, Baltimore County. You know, like, and I'm like, how'd you get involved? I'm like, oh, I came to an event in Gaithersburg back in 2019 for Andrew Yang, or I just came to an event recently, or you know what? And I, I heard about this and I heard you speak and I heard all these other people speak and I'm like, I wanna get involved. So then they started volunteering and then they ran for Central Committee. We have an Asian American Central Committee member on the Eastern Shore 
I could never wow. have imagined that 10 years oh, ago, right? My, we have, wonderful. I think 10 years ago, Juan may have been one of the few uh, central committee members, but we didn't have many. Now we have three uh, Asian American central committee members that are chairs, right? One in Howard County, one in Montgomery County. And the third one of all places, Washington County, where I think the population of Asian Americans might be 0.05% or something, right? Very low. Right. So we're making a lot of, lot of strides, but what do we have geared up? We are continuing to bring in new voters, to reach out to people that are not reached out to by the electeds and connecting them so you can hear them. So we are doing house parties throughout the state. We did one in Howard County yesterday. We're gonna do one in Frederick County, Baltimore County, uh, Washington County. Uh, we're gonna do something in Prince George's County eventually. We haven't done one there. And then also on the Eastern shore, there's a large number of Asian Americans there a lot of professors in Salisbury. So we want to continue doing this. And you know, you do it 80, 90 people at a time. They come into a living room, they get to speak to, for example, uh, Senator Chris Holland, and they have a they have a nice um, you know, conversation at the end. The central committee member from that county will talk about how do you get involved. We did an event in Hagerstown for the first time last year during the election cycle and had Congressman David Trone there and some local electeds. And I, 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 I asked a question, how many of you have been to a Maryland Democratic Party event? Out of about 100 people, I probably had seven or eight people raise their hands, okay? Mm. But at the end, so many people were asking the Central Committee uh, member there, the chair, how do I get involved? How do I sign up? And they got so many volunteers. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do that. But also for the presidential election, Maryland is not really an issue. We know Biden's going to win. Uh, Maryland. But what's more important is how do we help the other states? We're going to export our resources. And we did that in 2020, where we formed a coalition between Virginia, Maryland, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania, where Virginia and Maryland exported into North Carolina and Pennsylvania, which are the swing states. Okay. We're going to do that again. And what was the effectiveness of that? The night before the election, let me give you an example. We had 550 people get on a Zoom meeting and this was during COVID, making over 19,500 calls into Pennsylvania the night before the election. And what's really great is we have Asian Americans calling Asian Americans. And if, if we can get the list to work perfectly for us, we, it's better to have Indians calling Indians, Chinese calling Chinese, et cetera, because there's an affinity there and they're more likely to go out and vote and they speak to one another, right? And it's extremely effective. So we're gonna continue building our AAPI coalition here in Maryland, but we're gonna also export to the swing states where mm -hmm. uh, we're most needed to win the election next year. So so what I'm hearing here is, is, is basically Joe Biden can thank the AAPI DLC for his win in Pennsylvania, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure uh, so, I'm sure he's listening on our first credit. podcast. We can take so the we credit, can, Jonathan. <laughs> we can take we're, that. This is being recorded, so we, we can take the credit. And there's a name that we need to mention because we're talking about the, the national level. So we are also blessed here, Brella, to have our DNC caucus API chair, Belle Kong. Nothing true. would be possible without her. Uh, and so uh, if we're going to take credit, it's really Bell that should be taking credit for the wins throughout the country and what's happening here in Maryland. Because when she started this journey of getting APIs involved, it was very difficult. I told her last night we had close to about 100 people at this event. And she's like, oh, boy, when I started, I couldn't get five people because there weren't any APIs, that many APIs that were here, and there weren't that many people that got involved. And 
you know what? It was a tough journey for her. She did the heavy lift. Was yeah. Right? We just stand on her shoulders for this. So and for, for everyone listening on here, just Beliang Hong is the chair of the API caucus for the Democratic National Committee, the DNC. So uh, she's considered by many to be the mother of the API uh, political uh, establishment here in, in the United States. I mean, she's done so much work over her lifetime on building up our community within the national infrastructure. And we're blessed to have her uh, here in Maryland. Yes. And this theme of trailblazing, it sounds like Maryland has definitely made strides, not only at the, you know, the gubernatorial level, but also down ballot and the central committees. I think it's so important, you know, the work that Devong and others before Devong have definitely set up a path, right? And I think we're definitely making strides there. But I guess the big question is, what do you think we could do more to get more Asian Americans to run for office, top, you know, down the ballot, up the ballot? I think first we have to get them involved, right? So, uh, and we've talked about how we go about doing that, but it probably takes education, Tanya, uh, some education on how to fundraise, the compliance issues mm -hmm. of fundraising, right? And um, mm -hmm. what's involved in a campaign and you have people like Jonathan that do such a wonderful job in his other job, but we, we need to, uh, I think, reach out to these candidates, get them involved. And, you know, you don't just go from running for Congress on day one, right? So get a school board races or so forth, county council, delegate positions, just run, just run and uh, have good ideas, know how to raise money, know, create a network for yourself among the Asian American community and the broader communities. I couldn't what are agree your thoughts more. On that? I mean, the nuances from the beginning of having a pathway to victory, understanding, setting up the committee, right, the process to receiving financial contributions and then building out um, the blocks is definitely the first step. And, and also what you were talking about, too, building relationships. I think that forming relationships and knowing the people who have walked the path and to build a community, to have the support, I think those are really good places to start when it comes to entering, you know, the field of politics. Yeah. And I think a lot of it too is getting into the the raise your hand, hand mentality. You know, I'm going to echo Bell, who we were just talking about, but, you know, one thing she, she um, worked on for years is, you know, making sure the API community was raising their hand to get involved for, for so long. And a lot of this is with first generation APIs. It's keep your head down, do the work, don't start trouble, even if it's good trouble and pushing through that sort of cultural background. It's still a thing today. I think that is a, a reason why we don't see more candidates uh, of an API origin. And we need more bells. And what I mean by that is, people like ourselves that are more experienced to do what Bell does and really take people under their wings and say, hey, Tanya, hey, you know, young, young API, there's an opportunity here for you. Why don't you go ahead and get on this governor's commission, right? You have the expertise for it. And then, you know, let them get involved in that way, but provide them the opportunities and the mentorship as Bell has done for so many in our state and around the country. You go to any DNC event and they're like, oh yeah, Bell, yeah, Bell did this for me. Bell helped me like this, Bell you know, gave me this, helped me get this opportunity, right? And so we need more bells. I mean, there's only one bell out there, but, you know, all of us <laughs> that are more yes. experienced, honestly, <laughs> have to provide this. And also we have to understand that we're stronger when we're united as Asian Americans. 
We're not competing with one another. There's nothing to say that they're going to be one AAPI at the table. There can be many of us. And I think the biggest example is what the governor Westmore has done. He could have picked one AAPI for his cabinet secretary. We have a record number of API cabinet secretaries. I think the largest ca uh, number of API cabinet secretaries anywhere in the country in our state. And, you know, ours is a small state compared to many others. So there just isn't one of us. There's multiple opportunities. We're not competing against one another. We can all work together and bring all of us up together. So mentorship, I think, would be a you know, big thing. Oh, I just wanted to piggyback. I think that as I'm organizing too, the number one question I get asked is, you know, how do we engage youth? How do we excite them? And how, you know, to convey to them that the things that they care about can be brought to the table. The issues that are, whether they're concerned about climate change or public safety. I mean, they're going, this new generation is going through a lot as well. And you had mentioned your daughter got the political bug too, right? And I think it trickles down a little bit as we're trying to replicate and have more bells. Yeah. Well, it's not also the political book. I would also say it's a public servant book. So there are just so many ways to serve the public. You don't always necessarily have to run for office. You can do what the three of us are doing. Um, you can go testify for bills. You can serve on commissions. Uh, you know, there are just so many elected officials are not the only public servant. So if you have a great day job and you don't want to run for office, there are other ways to help out. You can uh, the county executive here has an AEPI commission, but there are commissions for landlord tenant law. There's mm -hmm. all sorts of commissions mm -hmm. where if you're an expertise in the environment or, you know, technology or whatever, there is a place where your expertise can be used and you can be involved as a public servant in that capacity. And so I think there we have to make those opportunities available and, and make our community aware of those opportunities so they can provide their expertise and guidance and ideas to our party yeah, so our true. state and country. Yes. I mean, testifying in front of committees, I just want to st stand on a, a soapbox real quick. That's so important. You know, there are folks like Elizabeth Chung from Frederick, who yes. she's down in Annapolis every week testifying on bills and their impact on the API community. And, you know, when you're testifying in front of committees, these are the more, you know, powerful delegates and senators in our state. It's so important to get our community in front of oh, them. Sure, sure. I just wanted to, 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 to put that out there. But it looks like we are wrapping up on our time here. You know, as AAPIs, we like to wrap up on time and be on time. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a first. <laughs> We're trying. We We're trying to make we, change. <laughs> we usually don't start at time, but our API lead ELC council events generally start on time now. Yes. Yeah, we are making right. change in big ways here. <laughs> so we always like to, well, we don't always, since this is our first podcast, but we <laughs> will, our, one of our traditional questions here on the show will be uh, a sort of ode to, you know, the name of our podcast, The Blue Dumpling. Um, and, you know, as we've explained, you know, it's it's such a great name because a dumpling is synonymous with any AAPI culture, right? Um, however, they all look different, taste different. It's 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 a great, you know, metaphor for, for our community. So with that, Devong, what's your favorite dumpling and why? Well, I primarily eat vegetarian food. So whatever is, you know, and I'm a foodie. <laughs> so I unfortunately have what they call the seafood diet. I eat whatever food's in front of me. I see the food, I eat it. But uh, any vegetarian dumpling, I would love to eat. So put in front of me and I'm there. 
what's the South Asian version of a dumpling? Was that a, a right, samosa? The samosa, very good. Yeah, yeah, love it. Awesome. Yes. Well, there you had it, folks. It's the samosa. Okay. So, Devon, thank you so much for joining us as our inaugural guest for the podcast. Tanya and I were so thrilled when you agreed to be our guinea pig. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And this is going to be a great podcast. And I just want to thank you for the honor of being your first guest. Great. Thank you so great. much, Devong. And for thank all you. of you listening, you'll be able to find this podcast anywhere where you listen on podcasts. And we are excited to announce our next guest, which will be uh, Delegate Lily Chi. So yes, um, from District 15. to have her on. Yes, she's great. She, ran what was that back 20 was that 2018 Tanya? 2018 a really yes. historic campaign where i think she did a better job in reaching out to the aapi community than any other candidate has ever done in the state hands down um, and yep. you know we're looking forward to having a conversation with her how she did that and the importance of doing that as well all righty so thank you again everyone and uh devon will be seeing you soon I, i'm sure Take care, everyone. Thanks, Thanks. Devon. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah.